So with a title like My Sister the Serial Killer, how could one not be intrigued? It is written by Okanon Branthwaite, and please tell me I said that right. I tried to listen to a couple videos where she introduced herself and tried to pick up on the pronunciation, but I'm sure I butchered it in some way, so I apologize. But it follows Kuridi and her sister Ayula, and Ayula has killed her last three boyfriends and recruited Kuridi, who is a nurse, to help her clean it up and cover it up. And the book is so, so, so fucking good. It's infuriating at times, at many times. There's going to be a lot of screaming and ranting in this episode because it just is a lot. But it's so good and it's set in Nigeria and the writing is amazing. And it's a really quick read too because it's like under 250 pages and the chapters are really short. And like, I'm just, I'm so excited to talk about it because it's such a good book. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. going to start with a little bit on the writing and the writing is really 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 unique but really amazing it is kind of jumpy and non-linear so we tell the story like jumping back and forth between past and present and it's not a bad thing like it's interesting because we learn more and more about Kuridi and Ayula's life um, as it becomes more relevant to Kuridi's actions we learn more and more about like Ayula's past with killing her boyfriend's Throughout the book, we don't just start with all of the information laid out in the beginning, so it is really interesting the way it's told, and even though it's not linear, it's not a bad thing. It adds to the mystery and the intrigue that we, like, slowly learn about the past and how this started and how their past influences it and why this whole phenomenon of her killing her boyfriends continues. And every chapter is really, really short, like five pages at most, but each chapter manages to tell a really coherent story And even though some stuff is implied and we fade to black, again, that adds to, like, the suspense and the mystery and the intrigue and that, like, we know something's happening, but we don't necessarily see it happening or we don't, like, read the words on the page when it's happening. Like, it just, it's really good in the way it's written and, like, tells a complete narrative without feeling like a really wordy book or a really, like, over-explained thing. Like, it just, it she does it so well that way and like also we get to see a lot of the culture of Nigeria too and how the country functions especially with like the police and the authorities and that time that Kurdi gets pulled over and like how she interacts with that and like it just that's really interesting too like besides the whole like sister serial killing thing like we get to see the culture of another country and the familial expectations which is a huge huge theme of this book and like again that's a different part of the culture like that's a psychological phenomenon like I remember learning about this in psych and like western cultures are more individualized and people are more tended to focus on themselves and achieve like personal achievement whereas other cultures are tend to focus more on 
like community and family and family oriented achievement and stuff like that and so like it's really interesting to see that and to see how the familial expectations really play out in this book because without like this would not happen between two white girls living in Kansas I'm pretty sure like that would it like the powers that be that push this serial killing to happen like I'm pretty sure would be a lot more rare in the United States because of the way our familial situations are set up and our culture is and like you know like if my sister if like I don't have a sister I don't have a sibling I have family friends that are like my siblings but I don't have a sibling but if my sister was off murdering people like you know I would turn her in I would not help her cover it up and so it's like but you you see through Clarity's eyes like even though it's infuriating you see why she does it type of thing and anyways this is the first book I'm getting off topic I am talking about stuff that I will talk about later but this is the first book that I've read in a while where I felt like I could have read it for school and had like a really intellectual conversation about it like if I was a teacher I would teach this book to like high school students and talk about familial expectations and culture differences and you know right or wrong and like would you turn somebody in like I think it would be a really interesting book to have an academic conversation about obviously that's not really what we're here for we're here for just me ranting about how annoying it is but I feel like you could teach this book in school and I feel like it would be interesting to teach this book in school and I'm never becoming a teacher but if I did I would teach this book in school and that is enough on the writing we need to jump into the plot because even though it is a short book and it's dense and there is a lot to cover so we start straight in with the cleanup and the disposal of Femi's body and we see Ayula and Curdy carrying him in the sheet and using the elevator and you know Ayula is like so spaced out and she like wants to hold the elevator for the other person and like she is relying on Curdy to do all of these things and then we see Curdy at work and she's a kick-ass nurse but she's also so lovesick over Tade which like fuck him and I fucking hated Tade well okay I didn't hate Tade that much like I grew to hate him more in the middle and then like I hate him less in the end and like it was a whole thing but I didn't hate him right off the bat I hated Coretti's crush on him because I fucking hate this whole like I work with this guy or I see this guy every day and I circle around him and I have this massive crush on him but why won't he tell me or why won't but like they don't even interact like it just it's not like friends to lovers where it's like you interact with them all the time and your friends you're hanging out and then it's like why don't you realize I had a crush on you? It's like when you're working with somebody and you're obviously in love with them, but you don't want to do anything about it. And you're just walking around like a lovesick puppy comparing everybody to him. Like, I just, I hate that like unrequited workplace romance bullshit. Like it's so stupid. And I like, it just irks me to no end. And so like, I hated that. And like, it just, I, I, I hated it so much. Like that's my only word. Like I hated it. And then we see Ayula and her Instagram post about Femi and then she's talking to his mom and then she immediately wants to post again about her own mom which is such bullshit like girl why don't you stop for a second and think like I know not everybody's obsessed with crime dramas not everybody's like like watched how to get away with murder or is interested in the legal system or whatever but if you just killed somebody and this is the third person you killed which makes you a serial killer which is a point that uh Curdy makes later but this is the third person you've killed. Why have you not realized that, like, maybe you should pretend to be in mourning? Maybe you should actually, like, have a process, have a system for this. Like, don't just go fucking posting. Like, that, you'd get caught so easily. Like, why? 
Why are you posting on social media at all? Like, yes, you should be posting about the grieving girlfriend. Then you should be off social media. You should be mourning. You should be, like, pretending to, you know, keep yourself out of jail. You shouldn't be just... Ayula annoyed me. Ayula annoyed me throughout this entire book. And then at the very end, Karidi, like, took all of the annoyance off of Ayula. And I was like, fuck you. Like, okay, whatever. But that is for later. And part of the reason Ayula irked me so much is because she's very, like, airhead Barbie but make it murderer. And I, like, was not a fan of that. I was like... If you're going to murder your boyfriends, be smart about it and, like, actually try to cover it up. Don't make your older sister do all the work and don't, like, be so fucking stupid about it. Like, it just, it irked me so much, her character. And then we see Cardi getting stopped by the LASTMA guy who tries to open her door and get in her car. And then she has to pay him 5000 Naira, which is actually only $13.12. So I was, like, freaking out when it said, like, 5000 I was like, holy shit, how much did she have to pay him? But then she only, it was only $13.12. But then, like, thinking about, like, them talking about the amount of money, like, it was a solid chunk of money. And, like, it sucked that she had to pay him off. And it sucked that they could be paid off and whatever. Like, it sucked that the justice system or the whatever system it was was, like, a little bit fucked. And then we learn that the knife Ayola uses to kill all the guys was the knife that their abusive father, who is now dead, had and, like, carried around and showed off to a bunch of people and that was the first clue that, like, the reason Ayula's killing people is because of some deep-rooted daddy issues. And then we see Curdy come home to Ayula's solo dance party, and Ayula doesn't want to give up the knife, even though Curdy wants her to. And, like, this is why in the beginning I was, like, on Curdy's side, and I was like, she wants Ayula to give up the knife. She's just trying to protect her sister. Like, she doesn't want this to continue happening, you know. And we learn that Ariola has killed three men, which actually makes her a serial killer, because once you killed three people, you are a serial killer. And, you know, it's a big deal and a big part of the book. And then I hate that we see Coretti bringing Tate food because he is never going to be into you. If he was going to be into you, he would have done it a long time ago. Again, it's not like Friends to Lovers, where you could be friends for five years before you realize, like, oh, we're actually into each other or whatever. It takes feelings a long time to build, or you're both just being really oblivious. Like, if he was into you, I'm pretty sure he would have acted on it or said something or done something. Like, you need to move on and find a better guy because you're this kick-ass nurse and I'm sure you can find a great guy out there. But you're hung up on this stupid fucking guy who will never be interested in you. Like, just move the fuck on. And then, to make matters worse with the whole, like, have a crush on Tate thing, Ayula shows up at the hospital and obviously transfixes everybody with her beauty. And Tate fucking asks for her number and Ayula then shows up again and Ayula and Tate go to lunch at the place that Curdy showed him and I hated that it sucked for Curdy. I was happy that she finally had to realize that Tate was never going to be into her but I hated that she had to realize that because he was going out with her sister like that sucked and then also we learned that Tate is an Arsenal supporter which like when we learned that was like I fucking knew he was the wrong guy for her because like fuck Arsenal like I mean if you're an Arsenal fan right now like sucks to suck you're in a relegation battle and like as a Liverpool fan like I mean Arsenal's not like one of our huge rivals but I'm a Liverpool fan and so like if you're an Arsenal fan like no like obviously he was not the right guy for you because he supports the wrong team and then we see Coretti I this scene oh my god 
Okay, so she wears makeup to the hospital, and then she walks in, and everybody's like, are you wearing makeup? And she's like, no, and then runs to the bathroom crying and washes it off, which is such, like, a middle school behavior. Like, why are you freaking out? Like, yes, you could be like, oh, my God, are you wearing makeup? It looks so good. Like, but she's a grown woman. Like, why are you being like, oh, my God, she's wearing makeup just to impress the guy? Like, leave her alone. Like, this is not middle school where it's like you wear makeup, and then everybody makes fun of you for wearing makeup. Or Like, it was such, like, juvenile behavior, and I was like, why? Like, just let her wear the damn makeup. Like, this is not that big of a deal. It's not that deep. Like, why? It just, it irked me to no end that everybody's like, oh my god, Curdy's wearing makeup. Like, let's make her feel bad about it. Anyways. And then, we get home. We see that Tate sent Ayola flowers. And they're really beautiful flowers, and they're really big, and it's really this really great arrangement. And Ayola texts him, and is like, by the way, I prefer roses. And then she fucking sends her roses too! Like, what the actual fuck? How does that happen? Like, this guy sent you flowers. Like, it'd be one thing to be like, oh, did you get the flowers? And I'd be like, yeah, they were really pretty. Like, for your information, my favorite flower is this. Or whatever, right? Like, if you ever want to send me flowers again, like, I appreciate the gesture. And, like, being nice and polite about it and being like, I love the flowers and, like, everything. And, by the way... But she just fucking texts him and is like, I prefer roses. And then he sends her roses and he gives in to her. Like, what the fuck? Like, that irked me. I was like, how? Why are you not appreciating this? Like, if some guy sent me flowers, I'd be so happy. Yes, maybe I would inform him eventually or that, like, my favorite flower was this type of flower. So that if he wanted to send me flowers again, he would get it right. But, like, he sent you flowers. Be happy about it. Like, oh, this irked me. Because I was like, you're such a bitch. Like, Why? So what? He didn't send you the right kind of flower. Unless you had told him and he had been like just purposely ignored it, right? And just sent you whatever flowers to send you whatever flowers. Like then I would have been like, okay, yeah, sure. But even then I wouldn't have like just accept the damn flowers. Oh my God. And then Curdy pulls apart the roses. And this is the first time I was like, oh, I'm not down with who Curdy is because she pulls apart the roses and was going to let the house girl take the fall and get fired for it. And this is the first time I was like, okay, Ayula, maybe you're okay because she confesses even though she doesn't do it. She didn't do it to protect Curdy and to protect the house girl. And like I said, that was the first time I was like, where the, what the fuck, Curdy? Because like, I thought you were like the good person in this book and Ayula was like the bad. And why are you going to let this poor innocent girl take the fall when she probably really needs this job? Like, I was not okay with that. And then we have to celebrate their dad, who they conspired to kill. And it's, like, this really awkward situation. And then Ayula goes on her date with Tade, and he brings her a gold bracelet. Like, on their first date or whatever. Like, why? Why? How? What? Like, no. Like, you already sent her far. Why are you bringing her a gold bracelet? Like, I just, I'm, I'm never going to be one of those girls where it's like, I expect you to bring me flowers and bracelets and jewelry and whatever. Like, just take me out on a fun date. Like, what the fuck? Like, I just, anyways, um, on the scale of things that happened in this book, Tate bringing you a gold bracelet is not very high up there, but then she has her like weak ass cover story Ayula has her weak ass cover story and is like talking to Gritty about it and she's like only the guilty go to jail like what the fuck you are guilty like you killed three guys like you could very well go to jail and you saying only the guilty go to jail does not help your case because you are fucking guilty and then the neighbor uh Femi's neighbor comes forward and says that she saw both Gritty and Ayula like walking out of Femi's apartment 
and Ayula plans to fucking pin it all on Karidi, which, like, how fucking entitled can you be that your sister, who helped you, who cleaned up the mess, who disposed of the body, who you call in your time of need, you just want to pin it all on her, okay? So you pin it all on her, and Karidi goes to jail. What the fuck happens the next time you feel the need to kill one of your boyfriends? Who the fuck are you going to call? Your sister in jail while Carl's are monitored or whatever, right? Like, fucking no. Like, why do you even think about that? Like, I was so 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 fucking pissed when she was like i'll just pin it all on you like no and then the police come and interview the two girls and their mom kicks the cops out but they come back for curdy's car to inspect her car and then uh, names jibogia gabogia uh surprises ayula and we find out that he's 15 years older than her and married and sponsored her education and gave her the money to start her business. And he's, like, Ayula's, like, main guy. Like, has been with him for a while and didn't kill him type of guy. And he just shows up out of the blue and is like, surprise, Ayula, like, I'm here. And then we see flashbacks to their father bringing a mistress home and their mother rightly freaking out. And we learn that it was understood that their father had mistresses and their mother didn't mind, but he was not allowed to bring any of them home and he tried to bring one home and her mother, their mother freaked out, rightfully so, and her father, like, did, their father did it anyway, so, like, their father was an asshole, basically, is what we're getting out of the story. And then the police return Curdy's car and it's all dirty and they go to the hospital and they make her pay to return it and they didn't even find anything, which... I was glad they didn't find anything, but, like, again, the police are a little corrupt, and they're, like, returning it dirty and, like, making her pay for doing stuff, like, inspecting it, whatever. Like, it's such bullshit. And then Tade realizes that Ayula is cheating, and instead of calling out Ayula for cheating on him, calls out Kuriti for mistreating Ayula, because Ayula claimed that Kuriti mistreats her, and that is why, like she's such a mess and I, I like again with the fucking entitlement like if it wasn't for Karidi she would go down for murder how the fuck is that mistreatment if she's saving you from being in jail if she's keeping you alive if she's giving you this life if she's sacrificing herself and her Hippocratic oath of first do no harm like you're doing a lot of fucking harm by covering up murders like what the fuck you know and Tade buying all of this bullshit when he knows Kuridi and has known Kuridi for longer, but he just falls into Ayula's traps. Like, I swear to God, Ayula is some sort of siren that puts a spell on everybody because everybody seems to fucking believe her. And obviously, like, we as outsiders see how, like, fucked up this is, but still, like, how? I don't understand it. And then Ayula just runs off to Dubai with Jabogia, Jabega, the guy, the, like, older married guy, and comes home and the guy is dead. And Tade just immediately shows up and totally forgets that she cheated and totally is okay with everything. And it's like, she needed to do that. Like, she's just, just really stressed. Like, he makes up so many excuses for her. I'm like, no, he's fucking cheating on you. She's killing all of the other guys she's been with. Like, even though Cordy's like, oh, like, poison or whatever isn't her normal method. Like, maybe she's fucking switching up methods. Maybe she couldn't take her knife on a plane and that's why she had to, you know, poison him. Like, I'm convinced you know that yeah it just I don't I don't I don't understand this book makes me so mad it's so good but it makes me so mad 
And then Ayula claims that the death was food poisoning, obviously, but, like, Coretti adds his name to the list because it was a drug overdose and Ayula lied, and so it's, now the list is for, the list is four names long. And Coretti finally gets her promotion as head nurse, and Mutar, who is the guy that she's been talking to, the coma patient, finally wakes up. And then we have the flashback to the fact that Ayula's 17 the first time she killed, and instead of, like, disposing the body, they just torched the fucking apartment and got away with it. And then Tate comes over, and Ayula forces everybody to play Clue, and it comes out that Coretti bakes and not Ayula, even though their mom told Tate that Ayula made, like, the cake or whatever. And Tate doesn't even seem to matter that he was lied to about who made this cake or whatever, and, like, of all the fucking things that she's done, like, why is he still with her? I don't understand. And then we go back to the hospital, and Mutar remembers everything that Curdy has said to him about Ayula, and her first response is to try and gaslight him, but Mutar then responds by requesting her as his nurse, so they have to be in contact. And then Curdy gets cornered by Femi's sister, and Ayula, like, stands up for Curdy. And so this is where, like, the waters of who is good, who is bad are starting to get murkier because Ayula is doing some good things, Kuriti's doing some shady things. And then Tade asks for Kuriti's opinion of the ring he bought for Ayula. And he is totally, 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 totally brainwashed about the sister's relationship and claims that Kuriti is the villain holding Ayula back. And if that means holding Ayula back from going to jail, then yes, Kuriti is the villain. But also, like... Curdy has been doing some shady shit. Like, they're both a little fucked in the head. But, I, 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 Ayula is just, I, she's so entitled and, like, the world revolves around me. I can't. And then, on top of all of this, we learn that Mutar admits that he knows Ayula killed, but he won't turn them in. Which, like, I was a little pissed. I was like, turn them the fuck in. I mean, at first I was a little thankful because I didn't want Curdy to go to jail because I was still, like, okay with her but then as the events of like the end unfolded i was like why are you not gonna turn them fucking in you know they killed somebody like how are you getting away with this and then critty goes into ayula's bed when she can't sleep and this is where it's like they really are kind of codependent on each other and this really is like a mutual thing like they really like critty needs to feel needed and ayula wants the world to revolve around her and so critty's world revolves around ayula because it makes Curdy feel needed. Like, I just, I, I can't with their relationship. And then we see another flashback, um, and we see that their dad beats Ayula because a boy came around wanting to date her, and the whole time he was beating her, he called her a whore and a slut, and was like, why am I paying for your education? You're just going to, like, give it up to whoever wants it or whatever, and, like, after seeing that, I get why she has issues with men, because if, anybody that suffered that kind of abuse and that kind of like relationship with their father like it makes more sense why like all of this is going down and why she's killing like her partners and stuff and then we have Curdy's dream that Tate dies so she takes the ring and destroys his office and doesn't do a very damn well good job of it because she lets poor innocent Muhammad go down for it and get fired which like fuck you because like this is the second time that you're letting somebody take the fall for it and, like, that they didn't do it. And this time, like, Muhammad actually did get fired. And he got fired even though Tade knew it was Curdy because they were like, oh, he's a junkie looking for a fix and Curdy didn't take any of the pills to make it look like it. She just took the fucking ring. Which, like, I wasn't happy that 
Tade wanted to propose, but like, why? Like, you're so meticulous about cleaning these houses after these people die, but you're not so fucking smart about just taking the ring. Like, stage a crime a little better than that. And then we see Cruddy tell Tade that Ayula's dangerous. And then Ayula tries to kill Tade. And he's really strong, so he stabs her and calls Kuriti about it. And Kuriti gets her to the hospital, and Ayula survives. And Kuriti makes sure that Tade doesn't report her. But then Ayula immediately outs Tade and was like, oh, he stabbed me. And in the midst of all this, either Mutar or his wife pulled triple talak, which basically is this Muslim thing where if you say talak, talak, talak three times, which is divorce, you're, like, instantly divorced. And it's, like, this whole thing and it recently got banned in a couple countries whatever it's like this long thing but basically it has very negative connotations and it's like a divorce that's like a really bad divorce and I was like ooh, like they really pulled that like in the midst of all this I was like damn their marriage is really imploding and then we find out also in the midst of all this that the reason Ayula and Curdy conspired to kill their dad was because this chief from this village came over and he wanted to marry Ayula when Ayula was 14 and Kriberti wanted to protect Ayula, even though Ayula was kind of down to let it happen because she was 14, and she didn't really understand, like, what would happen, like, being a child bride. She was just like, oh, he'll give me all these pretty things and shiny things and all live out my life in happiness, and like, okay, whatever. And Kriberti, like, understand the ramifications of it, and so wanted to protect Ayula, and so she was like, well, let's just kill our dad, and then it doesn't have to happen. And so Kriberti's actually the reason all of this is happening, between their relationship with their dad and all of this stuff like she was the one who came up with the idea to kill him and then we see Kurdi siding with Ayula instead of siding with Tate and instead of backing Tate up so his medical license gets revoked and he gets a couple months in jail and then we get to the last chapter and it's titled number five and Ayula has a new man and they're fucking getting away with it all and so to wrap up this episode, let me just say, ugh, I started off just constantly pissed at Ayula and Tade and their mom, and then I ended up pissed at Kariti too, and the only character I was down with was the house girl and Muhammad, because even Mutar, like, should have turned them in, and Muhammad didn't deserve to take the fall for it, and the house girl was, like, just there doing her job, whatever, so, like, they were the only two characters where I was like, okay, you're fine, and, like, like I said, I'm an only child, so I don't get the whole sibling bond. And obviously, it was solidified by, like, their shared abuse and wanting to get out from that and stuff. But there is no one I love enough in this world to help them be a serial killer. Like, I'm sorry to all my friends and family that listen to this, but, like, if you murder somebody, I will turn you in. So don't come to me with it. Like, I know. Like, even didn't the Unabomber, like, wasn't he turned in by his brother because his brother recognized his handwriting, right? Like, I know. Like, I would never. And I... Like, obviously, I don't condone killing, but I get killing their dad because they didn't see a way out. And in their society, whatever, like, there was no way out from their dad, and I understood that. But then Ayula continues to do it, and Kariti continues to help her. And Kariti can't imagine life without Ayula, and Ayula's so airheaded that she thinks she gets away with everything because she's pretty and the world revolves around her. And it's so fucking irritating, but also really interesting if you take a step back from it, like... While I was reading the book, I was just a mess of, like, rage and irritation and, like, why are you doing this? But taking a step back and thinking about it, like, like I said, it's very interesting to see the familial bonds and, like, how this familial connection really drives them and drives everything that they do and how, like, it stemmed from their dad and 
their dad beating her because a guy came around wanting to date her and then wanting to marry her off and killing their dad. Like, they have so many bad things, but they're, like, everything bad that's happened has, like, reinforced this, this sibling bond. And, like, because of their bad experiences, they don't trust men or whatever. Like, it's just, it's really interesting to take a step back and to, like, look at the progression of events and look at how all of these things have really, like, influenced it. And, like, it's one of those books where I think every time you read it, you'll get something new from it and fall on different sides and, like, life experience will change your perspectives because right now I see it as very fucking black and white with, like, Eula and Kuriti both suck. But there is a case to be made that they are not as bad as I think that they are. I just don't really want to listen to that case because I was so mad at everything that they did. But I feel like if I read this maybe later in life, I'd be like, oh, no, maybe this is okay. Like, not okay, but, like, maybe I would see more of a case for, like, why they're doing what they're doing and how, like, what they're doing is halfway decent. Like, I'm hesitant to say, like, decent or acceptable or okay or whatever, but it's, like, it, there's more that can be explored, I think, in their relationship and their reasoning and stuff. And, like I said, it would be really interesting to read the book in a class setting and discuss it with people and, like, have debates and fight back and forth about, like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Like, what if their actions are okay? Like, I fall on the side that they could have killed their dad because they didn't have another way out, but I think, like, it stops at their dad and, like, every other guy after that is bad. And, like, I would love to see a sequel where they get taken down and they go to prison because I am so fucking over them, like, getting away with all of this. But also, like, that's not in the theme of the book. The theme of the book is, like, a mystery and this and that and, like, it should not have that like you know they finally get taken down whatever but anyways I've been rambling on about this for a very long time it was a very 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 good book I recommend it to everybody it was very infuriating but very good and I would love to have like a bigger group conversation about this book and like actually have like an academic conversation about it but it was amazing I love it so yeah I have been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on My Sister the Serial Killer by Okinawan Brains the Weight. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.